But, you know, you have to make concessions like that where you may have to get up at two or three in the morning and knock something out because you have somewhere to go with the family on Saturday. And then, you know, you go to church on Sunday or whatever the case is and come home and everybody's going to take a nap. But no, you still got to go get in 10 miles. And, you know, there's it's not easy to prepare for one. That being said, I think anybody could do it if you're willing to plan and put in the work, there's nothing special about somebody that runs a hundred miles. I would like to think that I'm very special because I did, but all I did was just keep moving for 28 hours and finish the thing. And I think that a lot more people, people are capable of it than they think they are. Running a hundred miles seems impossible and maybe even kind of crazy. And it is, But we believe in Big Crazy Dreams. That's why we ran 100 miles. It was such a life-changing experience for us, we decided to devote this podcast to preparing and inspiring you to run your first ultra race. Are you ready to feel the highest highs and the lowest lows? Are you ready to do what you once thought was impossible? Are you ready for your trail to 100? Thank you for joining us here on Trail to 100. I'm Jacob Bateman. Joined along with me is my beautiful and lovely wife, Melody. How's it going? And joined along with us today, we have a special guest that I'm particularly excited to talk to because being in Utah, you don't get to talk to a lot of fellow Oklahomans, but we have Blake McGee. Fresh off a hundred mile finish. Blake, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Oh man, I, I sure appreciate it. Well, we, we're excited to hear your story. And just real quickly, when did you, so you ran a hundred mile race? When did that happen? Just so we get the timeline right. Yeah. So we, me and a buddy of mine actually made a plan and ran the Arkansas Traveler 100 the first weekend in October 2022. It's the oldest ultra marathon in Arkansas, to my knowledge, either the oldest ultra or the oldest 100. But me and him, guys from Oklahoma City, we'd made friends together. And so we kind of made a pact to, to go run this thing. So we, we leaned on each other a little bit. But yeah, it's, it was me and him stuck together throughout the, throughout the 100. But nice. nice. So what inspired you guys to run a 100-mile race? Well, I... This was my first one. He's ran Leadville before. He's mm-hmm. run some others and uh, some other big races. And so he's no stranger to the distance. But for me, I had kind of a quick transition to from starting running to running a marathon to running a 50 mile race to another 50 and then 100. So it was kind of a, just a progression of I want to go find the next hard thing and let's let's go challenge ourselves, push ourselves and, and see what we can do. Okay, that that makes more sense because I feel like most people don't wake up one day and go, you know, I'm going to run 100 miles. (laughs) No, no. And that was specifically why I chose this race to to back up a little bit. I was not a runner. I was a a weightlifting guy. I did CrossFit. I drank the Kool-Aid, all that business until the gym shut down in 2020 because of COVID. And when everything shut down for COVID, some buddies of mine were like, hey, let's train and run the Oklahoma City Half Marathon. And I saw that's a great idea. And then they have postponed it from April till October. 
I was like, well, the gyms are closed. We got time. Let's do the full marathon. So then they ended up canceling it, making it virtual. So I ran my first marathon by myself with my wife pacing me on a bicycle on gravel roads in 2020. Oh, and man. so that was kind of my entry into training through that summer and running my first marathon. So then we go into 2021 and ran a few races here and there, just kind of small stuff around here. And I finished my bachelor's degree in August of that year. And I got a couple of buddies that were pretty good at peer pressure in one another into, <laughs> into some, some wild things. So I said, guys, let's go do something hard. Like let's do something outside of our comfort zone. So we decided to run the Talamina scenic highway that starts in Tallahena, Oklahoma and runs to Mena, Arkansas and just kind of up across a, a rolling hill mountain range. It's 54 miles from one end to the other. None of us had ever, I, I had only run the furthest at 26. The other guys had only run like 15 miles before. <laughs> and so we tackled that in one day and did it in about 14 hours. And so we were like, okay. And it was just us. It wasn't a race. It was just us and a pacing vehicle to keep, to keep us alive. So, yeah. so you're an adventure runner. You're not yeah, a race just, runner. You're, you're an adventure runner. <laughs> yeah. I'm certainly not out to go win any races. That's for sure. Yeah. We just, we want to go find the, find a challenge, find something fun. I love and it. After we did that, we we're like, okay, let's do an official race in 2022. So we ran an actual 50 mile race at flower moon in Bartlesville, Arkansas. No, I'm sorry. Bartlesville, Oklahoma in May of 2022. And I told my wife, I was like, we're this far. I have this much fitness. Let's just go run a hundred. So <laughs> it was just a one after the other and decided to go run, go run a hundred. So, you know, there's, you keep mentioning like wanting to do hard things and that drive to do something to get you out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. What about running? Like, why did you this? So like after that first marathon, why did you think that it was running that you wanted to do? Because there's a lot of different ways to do hard things. You could have gone back to weightlifting. Yeah. You could have done bodybuilding. You could have done like, triathlons. Like, why running? Why did you keep with it all the way to going to that 100-mile distance? You know, I, I don't know that I really have a a good answer for that. Because after I ran the marathon, I said I was never running again. Like, <laughs> That's I, what they all say. To, to this day. <laughs> If you gave me the option of training for a hard marathon or a hundred miles, I'd take the hundred miles. I don't want to go run a fast marathon again on the road, but I don't know. It was just, it was another challenge. They take a long time. You know, if you're going to go do a, a long day in the mountains, 50 miles or a hundred miles, your, your whole existence for that day comes down to moving forward. You don't have to worry about what am I going to do after this? What's, you know, your, your whole focus is just continuing on. And I think that, and I, I like being outside. I'm an outdoorsy guy. I, I hunt and, and fish and hike and all that kind of fun stuff. And so being out in the woods, in the mountains, it's just a, it's a good experience. I, that's what I enjoy about it. Awesome. So do you feel like the, the main reason was just to be in the mountains? I, gosh, I, I don't know. I want to push myself to learn more about myself. You know, you, I don't think you can really understand who you are as a person unless you've tested yourself. So you found out like, 
when things are so hard that you think you're going to break, what kind of person are you going to be? And being in the mountains is part of that, where you can kind of slow down and look around and enjoy everything that's around you. But at the same time, it's it's kind of nice just being alone. You know, it's a little bit of a solitary feeling. We we always run those long ones. I say we, I run those long ones with no headphones and don't listen to any music or any podcast or books. I find it's just easier for me to you just kind of spend that time in my mind. So. Wow. So, so a lot of reasons. I feel like Jacob and I, I, I know that you were like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we're relating to everything you're saying, everything. We love being in the mountains and, and the challenge and it just is awesome. So to find, I mean, cause that's ultimately with us and that hundred mile distance, at least with me, why it was so like, I I just wanted to to get there because, you know, the same reason with you said about wanting to push yourself, wanting to find out who you really are, wanting to find out what's inside of you, you know, and that's what, you know, the, why the hundred mile distance really appeals to me is because, man, when you're out there for a full day, day and a half going nonstop, it's just you in your mind, like you're mm-hmm. saying, it's that's when you really start to discover who you are and what you're made of and what you can do hopefully in the future. Well, and let's be honest. There's something about saying that you ran a hundred miles. I right. feel like you can say like, I'm a black belt in karate or I'm a, I won this bodybuilder competition. And I feel like most people don't really understand what goes into that. Right. But if you tell anybody that you ran a hundred miles, like mind blown, mm-hmm. it's just a cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I learned really quickly when we started doing this kind of stuff that my character wasn't quite up to what I thought it should be. Like I got very grumpy. I'd come into an aid station and I'd be uncomfortable and I'd be hurting. And I wasn't the person that I wanted to be when I was under stress. And Mm -hmm. so the next challenge gives me an opportunity to correct that and to be better at it. And it's something that, you know, it's taken a little bit of work, but I'm a, I'm a whole lot nicer person now when I come into an aid station at mile 30 or, you know, something like that. I, yeah, I get you. I get you. I also don't blame someone who's grumpy at mile 30. Right, right. <laughs> and that leads me into, you know, as you're talking about why you were doing it to discover more about who you are and, and what you can be. I guess that leads me to the question. So what did you discover? I mean, you kind of already answered that. Like now let's, I guess let's just take me to that hundred mile race, you know, because 50 mile races you can do in a day, but now you really have to dig past this into the sleep deprivation and the pure exhaustion, mm-hmm. you know, take, take me to that hundred mile race and what happened through that. And what did you discover about yourself during that race? Well, going into it, the only practice I had at sleep deprivation and dealing with that and the the physical part was doing the Goggins challenge that me and my, my buddies that I've peer pressured into these things before we've done it a couple times. And so didn't have a whole lot of experience when it came to sleep deprivation. I wasn't really looking forward to running through the night for that reason, but you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of weeks before the race, me and my, my buddies, we call him chief chief. And I went to Moralton, Arkansas 
and we camped out. It's just about 20 miles south of Morals in there. We camped out, did a training run and got to see about 30 miles of the 56 mile course. So you have to run a 17 mile loop that starts out on pavement for just a little ways, turns into dirt roads and then turns into the Washita Trail, which that Washita Trail is 280 something miles end to end from Oklahoma over into Arkansas. So this just hits a little short section of it and it's rocky, it's technical, it's up and down. And once you get that first 17 mile section out of the way, now you're on logging roads and off-road vehicle roads. So we made it through the first 17 miles fairly unscathed. You know, that part just kind of to, I felt like just to get in the way, that's just to kind of get us warmed up. Yeah. Now we make it to our first crew station at mile 17 and we got a little bit of breakfast in us. I changed shoes, which turned out to be my worst decision of the day. Oh no. Uh, so we changed shoes and we took off eating a breakfast burrito on the way up the hill out of the, the Lake Sylvia aid station. And so from there, it was another 15 or 17 miles before we would see our crew again, but they did have aid stations about every three and a half to four miles. So, and they had all sorts of food. It was really, the volunteers were incredible. The race staff was, was amazing, very attentive. But after that first aid station, about two miles down the road, I had developed a blister on the back of my right heel, I believe it was. And I'd never dealt with a blister in that spot before. So I struggled a little bit for every aid station I'd come to. I would try to put some more Vaseline on it or try to correct it. And so I just kind of dealt with it the best I could until I got back to the aid station, our next crew station at mile 30 around lunchtime. And then I changed shoes back into my, my first pair. My wife was my, my crew chief that day. And uh, she doctored me up with some Luco tape and some athletic, some black athletic tape on the outside of it. And off we went and I never thought about it again the rest of the day. Thank Um, goodness. Yeah, it was, I was afraid it was one of these things that was just going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And that was the end of it. Thank goodness. We, uh, at mile 30, everything was going great. We were, we were having a good time running pretty well. Me and chief were still together and we were talking a little bit and chit-chatting. After we left mile 30, I was trying to think the, the biggest climb of the course that we had not seen was between mile 30 and I think it was 47. So that was the one section of the course that we hadn't seen yet. And so we, uh, we got to tackle it. It was probably one of the more technical portions of the course. It, not that it was technical by any means, but it was like more four wheeler trails. Things were a little bit washed out. It wasn't a whole lot of rocks or anything like that, but the climb ended up being not as bad as what we anticipated. And we were trying to stick with about a 20, 26 hour finish and we're doing really well, but we did lose a little bit of time through that section. And once we came down into power line at about mile 47 or so, we got our, got to see our crews again and we picked up our pacers and it was quite nice. It was about five 30 in the evening or so the sun's, you know, kind of starting to set, picked up two new guys that were fresh that had, you know, been around all day, but were they were ready to go. And it, 
that really we went from being about 20 minutes behind where we wanted to be went out to the turnaround at about about mile 56 and then back to power line and we went from 20 minutes down to 30 minutes ahead so nice. we picked those guys up and made some really good time on the back portion of the course Thank goodness for pacers right oh that they <laughs> they saved the day oh that's awesome I remember coming back into power line you know we're getting to be mile 65 mile 70 and i remember thinking like this is starting to get hard now like i i never would have dreamed that i would make it 65 70 ish miles and then go oh okay this is kind of hard but uh, <laughs> right <laughs> that's a good perspective yeah i feel like that's where it gets hard for everyone between miles 60 and 70. That's always when it gets hard on a hundred. Yeah. It something about that distance. It, it's getting to be the beginning of the night. You you're not looking forward to going into the darkness. And I think that weighs heavily on people. Oh and yeah. Me and the guys had talked about it afterwards and somebody said, you know, that me and chief took a very business-like approach to it. Like I, I tend to get very quiet. I don't get animated. I don't, I'm not a good cheerleader. All the raw, raw stuff doesn't do a whole lot for me. In fact, we were running along there one time. Chief was like, is there any topic you want to talk about? Like, can we... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just kind of go into a shell, you know, try to do a pretty good job of talking myself into a positive place. And at one point on the first 17 miles, chief was like, ah, oh, something's hurting. I don't remember now what it was, his knee or, He'd been dealing with some knee problems. He mentioned his knee two or three times. I was like, don't talk about it again. Like, just don't mention any pain. If you have pain, deal with it. Fix it however you can, but let's don't talk about it. He said, Roger that. I won't mention it again. And he didn't the rest of the day. <laughs> so that, that's <laughs> kind of my thing. Like, I don't, if something's hurting, I'm not going to talk about it. I told my wife, when I come to an aid station, don't ask me how I'm doing because I'm going to be bad. Like there's going to come a point where everything's going to hurt and I'm dying, you know, ask That's me what... how Jacob is. Yeah. He gets I... so angry. I'm all... Whenever we run together, I'm like, so how are you doing? How are you doing? And he's I'm like, like stop asking ask me, me that. that. No, no, <laughs> no. So turns out we had these conversations beforehand and that's what saved my race. We had, we had prepared. I'd spent a lot of time on the mental aspect of, when it all gets hard, how am I going to react? And that's where I think that business-like approach comes into it because we signed up and went there to run a hundred miles. We didn't sign up and go there to run 65 or 70 or 85. We signed up to finish the thing. And, you know, when, when we came back into mile 85, it was around four in the morning. I was dropping off a pacer and picking up another one, which my pacer showed up thinking he was running 15 miles and ended up running 30. Oh, <laughs> so hope he was ready. <laughs> his feet were shredded. He had so many blisters. And, oh my gosh. Oh no. But he's like, I can't really complain because you guys have done yeah. so much more. And so, I mean, he was great the whole time. I didn't know that he was that messed up until the next day. Wow. But, pacers uh, are amazing. They are. They are. And so we come into 85 and I told my wife, I said, I just, I want to sit down for 20 minutes. 
and she pulled up her little Apple watch and she runs something there and she started a timer. She said, you got 15. Good and wife, man. I was like, well, but I wanted 20. So she gave me 15. <laughs> and as soon as I sat down, I started shaking real bad, shivering. I guess mm -hmm. I didn't feel cold, but I got cold, I guess. And so there, there's some pictures of them like putting blankets and stuff. I think it was on that, that comment there on Facebook and she like covered me up and I, it never crossed my mind, but that's a very dangerous place to be because you're in the middle of all this suffering. You're in a 26 to 28 hour fight against your, your mind and your body. And now I've sat down and I've gotten comfortable. And when that timer went off, if she would have said, can you continue? Can you, can you get up? Do you want to keep going? My answer was no, because I'm, I'm comfortable. And I, I knew in the back of my mind, I'm going to have to get up again. But at the same time, gosh, it was hard. Like that timer went off at, at 15 minutes. She reached and grabbed my hiking sticks and she handed them to me, my hiking poles. And she said, all right, we'll see you at the finish line. And Man. like helped me up out of the chair. No, I told her I didn't want any sympathy. And it's exactly what she gave me. It was no sympathy. She wasn't like mean about it, but. Um, <laughs> no you know, ifs, buts, or ands, huh? <laughs> right. If, if she wouldn't have been there to spur me on that way, if I would have been relying on like crew that was there or, you know, someone that I hadn't had this conversation with ahead of time. Yeah. My race would have ended. I think I'd, I don't think I would have gotten up out of the chair. Wow. The, I, I think that's a really powerful thing that you brought up that it's dangerous to get comfortable. The yes. the trick is to just keep moving, right? Yeah, you you don't realize how bad of shape you're in. You don't realize how bad things hurt until you sit down and get comfortable mm -hmm. and you get out of that suffering state for just a minute. And then you have to put yourself back in that suffering state. That little detour is incredibly hard. At the same time I say that, I cannot imagine not sitting down at that time. Like I wanted nothing more than to get off my feet than for just a few minutes. I don't think it benefited me in any, it didn't benefit my race obviously at all, but I think that it, it really gave me a learning opportunity after the fact. I don't know that I would sit down again if I was in that same scenario, but I can't imagine doing it differently. It just, gosh, I just need to sit down for a minute. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I did a hundred this past August and it was around that same mileage, the 80 mile mark. I just needed like almost to sit down and just let like my body have a tiny you little were there a reset. Long time. I was there more than 15 minutes <laughs> at the station. I was probably there 45 minutes. Yeah. But, uh, but it, I did honest. And I, I, I did stay too long. I know that I didn't need that long when it, at this aid station looking back, but I get when you say, I can't imagine if I hadn't have took it, but because it did at that point, I just needed to take some time to just let my body just reset for just, you know, a little bit, yeah, you know, yeah. and then to keep going. But yeah. And, and, I, but that's why we got to have people like your wife there to make sure we do get up and <laughs> we get back at it and then we don't just stay there yeah for sure it's 
having people around you that know what your needs are, that you've communicated that these are the things I'm going to like. These are things I'm going to want. This is people that know your mindset at that aid station. I picked up my friend, Matt from over in Arkansas and he's not a big runner, but I told him, I was like, don't worry about it. Like by this point, I don't think there's probably going to be a whole lot of running going on and from that, that checkpoint, that, that crew station to the next aid station was six miles, mostly uphill, probably 90% of it was uphill. And we'd run in the daytime one time coming the other way. So we'd never gone back. So wasn't real sure how that was going to go, but probably the first hundred yards after I stood up and got my hiking poles here I go off on my run again. It was painfully slow. You could have probably crawled on all fours faster than I was walking. Isn't that crazy? And you probably felt like you were going so fast, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you look yeah. at your watch and it's like 18 minute miles. <laughs> oh, oh, I was probably more in the range of like 40 minute miles for probably the first hundred yards. Like it was, it was painfully <laughs> slow. And then finally, once I kind of got going, you know, then I was in the 20, 22 minute range going up these, up this mountain. And we, Matt is a fairly quiet person. He's what I would consider to be like a stoic type guy. And we didn't say a whole lot in those last 15 miles. <laughs> and uh, I remember, you know, I'd made the comment I mentioned earlier that like, if I had pain, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to give that pain a voice. I'll just deal with it, fix it however I can and go on. And there was one part there, probably three or four miles from the finish line. I told Matt, I was like, I, I don't know what a blown out knee feels like, but I think my left knee might be just demolished. He might be completely destroyed. <laughs> Every step <laughs> was just was excruciating. We got to a good section section of road and I was like, well, let's, let's try to run a little bit. Let's, it's kind of a downhill slope. Me and chief, by this point, we split up at the mile 85. I told him and his pacer, I was like, y'all go on. And then, then me and Matt will, will catch up. Cause by this point, you know, the, the fight's internal. It's, I don't think we were going to be relying on each other too much anyway. So we got up to this nice section of road and kind of a long straight stretch downhill with a curve to the right at the bottom. And I was like, is that, is that chief? He was like 200 yards ahead of us. And so I was like, okay, let's try to run a little bit. I think I made it three steps and I was like, that's, that's all I got. So it was back <laughs> At least to, you tried. <laughs> yeah. It was back to power hiking or walking as we call it. So anyway, the, we, we finish that course goes down these nice logging roads and then comes out to pavement and just to kick you one more time when you're down, there's one good hill that you have to climb on pavement and then it flattens out and down to the finish line. And I don't know, man, when we saw the finish line, like my wife had walked up out of the finish line, she had to turn right down a little driveway and, she met us up there at the road and the only words I could get out was this is the most painful thing I've ever done in my life. And I was oh. like crying and I couldn't say anything else. And it was awful. And as bad as I would have loved to have run through the finish line, I didn't have it in me physically. I just, so I, I limped it across the line and we took a few pictures and I promptly went to sleep on the pavement. So, <laughs> Right there on the pavement. Right? On the pavement, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that's awesome that you didn't run through the finish line because that means you gave it everything you had. 
Like I was talking to a, a client the other day who sprinted through the finish line and she said she was really disappointed that she still had enough in the tank to sprint across the finish line. She's like, I could have pushed harder. I so I think that just goes to show that you gave it everything you had. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I would have loved to have been faster. I finished in 28 hours five minutes and four seconds i think it was the cutoff time at that race is 30 hours there was a hundred and i think 41 people that started the race and gosh i don't remember how many finished it somewhere around 100 or so finished and don't quote me on those statistics i'd have to look them up to be 100 percent <laughs> sure but you know it's a great one for people that are looking for their first race it's supported really well you have aid stations that are close together so you can go from one to the other fairly quickly. But if you spend two minutes all together, there's like 22 aid stations. If you oh, spend yeah. two or three minutes at 22 aid stations, there's an hour. Yeah. And That's up. Yeah. So you can really eat up some time that way too. Yeah. But no, it was a, it was a great experience. And I walked around very gingerly for three or four days after that. It turns out my knee was not, was not destroyed. It was just, I guess, some IT band pain. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, oh, good. It was, <laughs> perfectly fine the next day like it was i was like how did how did this almost ruin me yesterday and then today it's fine sometimes i wonder how much that pain is emotional like that's yeah. just your body like just screaming at you to stop and so it's going to be like i'm going to pretend like my knee is completely destroyed because you need to stop yeah. you know yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know when i first started training it seems like i would run across that like oh my my hip hurts oddly today for some reason and then a mile or two in, like it stopped. And now my other foot on the, the other side's hurting. And yeah. then now my elbow hurts for some reason. It's like your body's like just throwing flags at you. Just, right. You shouldn't be doing this. Right. It's so interesting. I, I am used to, I'm a physical therapist assistant and I used to rehab runners. And before I rehab runners, I did like, I rehab people after orthopedic surgeries and, and after like knee replacements and hip replacements, it was always like really similar patterns. It was really easy to create programs for them. But with runners, it was totally like, like this thing hurts or this thing hurts. And and I was like, I could never tell them why it hurts. Making a program was so hard because it just, there's, there's like no rhyme or reason to the injuries runners get. It's so confusing. No. <laughs> and leading up to the race, I was, I had hired a coach named Kylie Aldaz that does desert to peak coaching in Arizona. She's run the Cocodona 250. And so I had sought out Kylie's help for the last like 10 weeks leading up to the race just to help me like manage intensity and training and to help me with the nutrition portion of the race. And I think her help and her encouragement was just invaluable. But when we got to the taper portion, I was, I was so excited to taper like we had been building to, you know, my biggest <laughs> weeks ever running. And then we started to taper and I don't even remember now which one it was, but one of my shins started to hurt. Like I had shin splints. I had just developed them out of nowhere. Yeah. And then they, I couldn't get them to go away. I would run a little bit in the mornings or I would try to rehab. I had my compression boots. I had my massage gun couldn't get rid of the shin pain and then i'm scared to death i'm like I, i've put in all this work and then here it is going to be time to go and you know time for the race and i've got this shin splint thing going and you know magically it disappears before race day and never bothered me the day of 
but it, us runners can sure create some issues. And I don't know if it was mentally or physically <laughs> or if the taper did it. I, I don't know. I, but I get no, you. That, I get you. That's actually really common during taper. And, and maybe your running coach said something, but most of the time during taper weeks, that's when niggles come up, things come up because you're just not mm -hmm. moving and running as much. And your body's kind of in freak out mode because it's, you're not in your same routine. So it is pretty common to have things come up like that during taper week and then to have it all just disappear right before race day. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's kind of trying to, trying to heal. And, you know, you, you've spent so much time on your feet the last months and now you can kind of slow down. It's like, as your body's starting to heal, everything kind of screams at you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So along those same lines of your training, because, you know, three quarters, most of the battle is actually done before the race, right? Yeah, yes, yes. So what was like your training plan like? What kind of mileage were you putting on your body? I guess, what was your cross training that, that you implemented to try to prevent injuries and nutrition wise? How'd you... How'd you try to figure all that out? Because there's so much to figure out or to try to figure out before the hundred. Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces to to try to get lined up. And I didn't cross train as much as I should have. I think that's one one area where I was lacking. Welcome uh, to everyone's running right. world. And then, you know, like I'll speak for most runners, I guess, when I say I didn't stretch and rehab enough. I'm not a very flexible human at all. And I just hate getting in the floor and stretching and foam rolling and all that. So oh, yeah. I, I probably didn't do enough of those things. The nutrition portion, I didn't follow a very strict diet leading up to it, which I, I'm not a stereotypical runner. I'm, I'm six foot tall. I weigh about 220 pounds. Um, I'm not a super lean little guy. Anyone can run an ultra. Anybody can <laughs> run an ultra. That's it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not the, when you picture runner in your head, my body type is probably not at, at the forefront of your thoughts. But, you know, when you're training for something like this, trying to lose weight and, you know, cut down some body fat is not ideal because you're putting in so many miles. You've got to fuel yourself. So I didn't worry too much about trying to lose weight while increasing performance to get ready for a race. Yeah. I peaked out right before, let's say three weeks before the race at, I think, 68 miles that week. And I think I was supposed to run 82 but that's kind of when the shin pain and everything had started. And so we, we backed off a little bit. So, but it was building up to that. So, you know, some 50 mile weeks, a lot of 40 mile weeks. So not running a ton. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a dad with a full-time job and a family. And so, you know, you get, you get in what you can and try to balance all those things. And, you know, it's, it'd be nice to be out running hundred mile weeks, but yeah. I don't think I have that in the cards, you know? No, I get you. I, I, I actually, I love that fact because I, I'm with you a hundred percent. Like, I think that's what keeps most people from doing an ultra or doing a hundred mile races. They think they have to run a hundred miles a week and it's just realistically for almost the whole world. That's not realistic. No. It's not realistic. And like I, I peaked out at a 50 mile week for my hundred this past year and mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I didn't podium. 
but I finished. Yeah, I'm convinced uh, you just need 30 to 50 miles a week <laughs> to finish a hundred mile race. Yeah. You just uh, got to get that. I think a lot of that is mental toughness training, getting in those long runs, those hard days, the body's tired and learning how to keep moving forward. Right. I think for the, for the hundred miles or for the longer distances, 50 or hundred or, you know, hundred K even your back to back long runs on Saturday and Sunday are incredibly important you know training for a marathon you'd have a, a good run on a, a saturday a long run or whatever but then sunday is about recovery and you don't have those back-to-back -back big days and i think the back-to-back -back big days is really learning how to run on tired legs is a great skill to to learn to teach yeah. your body so what did like your give us an example of what a back-to-back -back weekend looked like for you let's see one weekend i traveled across the border here to fort smith arkansas to a, a park there in town and i ran a marathon on the road with a few hills i, I didn't probably didn't do enough training on on trails because okay. even though i'm an outdoorsy person i don't like being on trails in the summertime because most things are grown up there's a lot of like underbrush and yeah i don't do snakes so and poison <laughs> ivy and all that stuff so anyway we i went over to ben garen and ran a marathon one saturday morning and then the next morning was a half marathon so i got up here went to the local college and and ran a, a half marathon that day so you know not a huge weekend but if you tell somebody like oh i, I ran a marathon today like you think oh well, you're done right no i have to do a ha half marathon again tomorrow yeah, um, that's a hefty load. Yeah, yeah. was that like thirty nine miles in two days? Yeah, something, something yeah. like that. That's that's um, pretty impressive, I'd say so. And then the the practice weekend when we went over to the race, we ran thirty miles and then ten the next day. Our plan was to run, I think, fifteen or seventeen, but we were just kind of running out of time and didn't have enough time to to get in what we wanted on Sunday. Yeah, so it ended up being ten, and so forty miles in two days, and that was a yeah. A fairly rough 40 miles that day so no uh, i would yeah. say, i would say that that sounds about right getting in a 40 mile weekend i'd say mm -hmm. that gets you ready for 100. Yeah. yeah yeah so what would your advice be for balancing training for 100 and working and raising a family and all of the stuff that you're supposed to do in life to check all the boxes i think the best thing to do for me and my advice for anybody else if, if it can fit in with your schedule in any way get up early get the work done early and go on about your day because the the more runs you have to do in the evening times you're going to be sacrificing family time you're going to be sacrificing time with your wife or with your kids or with your husband or, or whatever and if you can do all that work or do a, a large portion of that work in the mornings while they're still asleep you're not going to feel like you're neglecting your duties as a family member but if you can if you can try to balance that in some way and obviously having a spouse that's understanding uh, that is on board with what you're doing you got to communicate about it and it seems like our whole life rotated around planning the long run for the weekend because you know i ran a slow marathon that day over in fort smith it was like four and a half hours or you know five hours or something and that's five hours on a saturday morning I wasn't yeah. home to cook pancakes. You know, I, I wasn't home to, to have breakfast and sit down and have a cup of coffee and watch the sunrise. You know, we, it, it really does disrupt things. And you have to have a spouse that's understanding that's, that's on board with you. And it's, I know people do it that 
don't have an understanding spouse or don't have somebody that's completely on board with their goals, but gosh, that, that'd be incredibly difficult. Yeah, I think that's for advice. sure. Yeah. We, we've been talking about that lately because we both have kind of different running goals this year, whereas in the past we've had very similar running goals and, and we've been able to run because we run together and, and understand each other mm-hmm. and support each other. And, but even, even though we understand and we support each other, even just having different goals and I'm, I'm on the road more and he's on the trails more, it, it does get in the way of, of family time. And yeah, it, it gets really tricky. So you definitely have to, you know, compromise and sacrifice and weigh the pros and cons and you just kind of figure it out. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe you do it kind of sloppily, but you get it done. Yeah. I, there were times when I would move workouts to where like I could get a, when I would have, I remember one morning I had a 16 mile hilly long run on a, supposed to be on a Saturday and we had something to do that weekend. So I rearranged the whole week and I got up at 2 AM on Friday morning and ran that 16 miles here in town and went up to the top of the world's highest hill and had a very close encounter with a skunk that morning. And oh, no. that was the scaredest <laughs> I've ever been in the, in the wilds <laughs> in my life. But you know, you have to make concessions like that where you may have to get up at two or three in the morning and knock something out because you have somewhere to go with the family on Saturday. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to church on Sunday or whatever the case is and come home and everybody's going to take a nap, but no, you still got to go get in 10 miles. And, yeah. you know, there's, it's not easy to prepare for one. That being said, I think anybody could do it. If you're willing to plan and put in the work, there's nothing special about somebody that runs a hundred miles. I would like to think that I'm very special because I did, but all I did was just keep moving for 28 hours and yeah. finish the thing. And I think that a lot more people, people are capable of it than they think they are. Yeah. Amen. hundred percent. hundred percent agree. I, I mean, I've had, I feel like you took those words straight out of my mouth. I remember telling other people about like, you know, they've said something about, Oh my hundred miles. I can't believe you did that. You know? And it's just as like, once you actually do the distance, you realize like, it's not, anyone can do this. anyone can really do this. It's, it's just yeah. about where you put your time. Yes. Like some people spend mm-hmm. their time dancing or quilting or, you know, Shooting we just, guns, we just chose yeah. our time to spend our time running a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm a member of like some Facebook groups running for beginners and some other ones where like people are just starting their running journey and which, you know, gosh, I was there two years ago. Like I, I'm, I'm still a beginner. I feel like in a lot of ways. And when I hear people ask things like, could I run a half marathon? Well, why couldn't you realistically? Like, you know, for somebody that's looking for something smaller, like what are the options? Like if you take quitting off the table, then the only reason why you wouldn't run a half marathon is if you were to die during the race. Like if you just vow not to quit, yeah, just go do the thing. You can go finish it. You um, just keep moving. Yeah. And I told somebody, I was like, if you quit, I'll pick you up at the finish line. So whatever <laughs> point you decide to quit, I'll, I'll be waiting at the finish line. So you can quit and you can throw your sucker in the dirt and I'll pick you up the finish line and carry you home from there. So um, that is the quote of the day. I'm, I'm writing a, I have a list of quotes that I want to put on t-shirts and that okay. will be one of them. 
if you quit, I'll pick you up at the finish line. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, awesome. Before we let you go, though, I guess a couple questions for you. First okay. question is now looking back at the hundred mile race that you did, what did you learn about yourself during that that day of running? I made a point to be present and intentional through the race that I wanted to remember all of it. And I didn't want to look back and it just be a blur because I made that mistake during a 50 mile race. I thought I just want to black out and somebody meet me at the finish line. I was uh-huh. bored. I didn't want to be there for this one. I made a, like I said, I made that point to be intentional and present. And I think that carries some really big life lessons because if you, with my son that's five if you're not making a point to be present it will go by in a flash and you won't remember it and you know there's some moments in that race that change you forever and unless you're being present you'll miss them and so that was that was one thing that i learned and wanted to wanted to make sure that i took away from that race and that's another reason why I ran it with no music or books or podcasts. I didn't want any distractions. So that was probably the biggest takeaway is the importance of of being present. I like that. Wow, that's really powerful. That and I think that's we we ask everyone this question and I feel like no one has answered like that mm-hmm. before. I feel like I mean, I think it is natural and most of us just zone out because we don't mm-hmm. want to feel the pain it's traumatizing you know it's it's trauma so you just block it out and then all of a sudden you're at the finish line but i think that's really beautiful to realize this is actually this pain that you're feeling this experience this is a really special beautiful time and you're going to miss out on things if you just block out the pain and embrace the pain and be there i think that's yeah. awesome i i somebody described it this way one my, my pacer that i had for the first 30 miles he said that I do a really good job of talking myself into a positive place. And, you know, that's a pretty good skill to have in life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, a, that's a, a pretty good thing to learn about yourself and learn how to do. So yeah. it's uh, transferable oh to a lot of other areas in life. It definitely, I mean, to every area in life, I feel like, I, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a skill that you really have to work at. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Be present and intentional. That's a great one. I guess, lastly, last question we have for you that we ask everyone is, what advice would you have for someone who maybe they've seen you run 100 miles, it's one of your buddies, and they say, you know what, I want to do that. Blake, I want to run 100 miles. What advice do you got for me as I start my journey? Sign up for the race. Find a race. It's scary. It's big. It's out of your league. It's like eating an elephant. You know, you got to start one bite at a time. But the first thing you need to do is sign up for the race and make a plan. You know, make sure that you've got enough time, you know, 16, 20 weeks, whatever it is. You know, if you've got a little bit of base fitness built up, just jump off the deep end and go attack it. Secondly, to go with that is to not ignore the mental aspect of getting ready for a race of, of this magnitude a hundred or whatever, because it's the mental aspect is as important as the physical, because your brain will be telling you that you need to stop. It'll be throwing those flags about your elbow hurting or your hip flexor or your rolling ankle. 
and your brain will be sending up alarm signals. And if you haven't solved those problems in your brain beforehand, you'll break when it becomes really, really hard. So those are my two pieces of advice for somebody that's looking to do it. First, just pull the trigger, sign up for the race, make a plan. And then don't ignore the the mental aspect of, of getting ready. Have a mental I attack plan. Yep. That means being disciplined, running in the snow when you don't want to run in the snow. For us Utahns. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to admit, I'm, I'm a little bit behind in my fitness now. I woke up this morning and I looked at the weather and it was 28 outside. And I was like, I think I'll go run a bunch. I don't want to go get cold right now. So, <laughs> oh, we've was, all done it. We've all yeah. done it. I, I ran on the treadmill because it was like kind of sprinkling outside. And I was like, oh, I don't want to get a cold. I probably should run outside. <laughs> yeah, justify it in all sorts of ways. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, Blake, thank you so much for joining us. I think your story is, I mean, it's amazing. And I think it, it's very relatable. And, and inspiring. It, yes. It's inspiring. Yes. Wait, if people wanted to reach out to you and ask you questions, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Blake underscore six five three. Perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes. The best place. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Seriously, thank you. We really appreciate you. Appreciate you taking time out of your day and and teaching us all some awesome stuff. I feel inspired to go run, and maybe I'll finish the. I still have a little bit more of my run left. Maybe I'll actually go finish it outside. <laughs> Hey, I appreciate you guys. It's, you know, anytime a runner gets to talk about a race they've done, it's, it's a good day. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm always <laughs> thankful for the opportunity to get to talk about it. Well, big thank you goes out to Blake McGee for taking time and talking with us. What a cool guy. That was great. I got yeah. a lot out of that. And do you know what I'm still chewing on? What? For some reason, the thing that stood to me the most, I mean, his big takeaway of being present that that was really big to me and also just his story when he was at mile 85 and he sat down and we were talking about it being dangerous to sit down and and i was just thinking about when we sit down in life and and i, I guess i'm just outward processing this with everyone here i feel like Well, I thought about the weekend. So I feel like you're going hard all week. And then the weekend, that's when you sit down. And that's so hard to get going in on Monday. But it's not like you can never sit down. If we didn't have the weekend, then we would just all have mental breakdowns and die. You know what I mean? So so I guess I'm just thinking, when is it appropriate to keep pushing? And and sometimes you do just need to keep moving and you just shouldn't sit down. But then there's other times where you, you need to sit down for that reset. I guess what comes to mind for me is, is it's dangerous to sit down and rest if you don't have a predetermined limit to that rest. That makes sense. Because then it's dangerous. You could get caught in that rest long term, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. then all of a sudden, oh, this is nice. It's nice to not have to push myself. It's nice, nice to not feel uncomfortable. Maybe that's like with school. Like maybe you stop going to school and you don't decide when you're going to go back to school and then yeah. you just never go back. Cause how many people, I guess you could say drop out of college and then never go back, but they say they'll go back when right. they drop out. Right. Yeah. No, I think that was, that's 
with some deep takeaways. Ah. And I think for me, it was that like, I really liked what he said was being present and intentional just during the race and also how that relates to life as well. It's important to be present and intentional even when you're in pain. Yes. Yeah. Be present and intentional. And I liked how he said, you know, when you have pain and you have issues, resolve them, but don't dwell on them, you know, because the longer you dwell on it, the worse it's probably going to get in your mind address it then move on address it and move on there's no need to keep bringing it up you know it's there you have you're dealing with it and as long as you're dealing with it move on right yeah i feel like the way that relates to life is when you're feeling feelings you don't want to feel like anger or sadness or mourning it's important to instead of numbing those feelings and keep moving, it's important to acknowledge those feelings and to be present during those feelings so you yeah. can process them. Acknowledge it, address it, do what you need to try to take care of it, but and then keep moving. Then you just keep moving. Yeah. You don't get hung up on this one thing, you know, to where all your progress stops. Right. Yeah. Right. And also his ability to be able to talk himself into a positive place. Yeah. I think that's something that we could all improve on in our training just every day when we're training, just focusing on having a good attitude. When things get start to get hard and start to get painful, practice talking yourself into a positive place. Yeah. Flip the script and it, think yep. positively instead. It's so easy to just tornado out of control when things start to go You have a terrible wrong. workout. Yeah. And, yeah. and just to quit you know and be like, right. you know what i'm done but you know what okay no there's an issue here that's okay i'm gonna do what i can to take care of it it's gonna be okay i'm gonna get out of this pain comes in waves right everything gets better pain eventually comes in waves. so yeah talk yeah. yourself into a positive place so wow i think blake blake had a, a plethora of wisdom to share with I'm us amazed at how much you can learn from ultra running. yes and and i know you can pull life lessons out of anything, and anything you know it just i was thinking that the other day i was like are all these podcasts the same and <laughs> <laughs> and kind of there definitely are themes but then we get someone on and they say something completely different and i'm like i never thought about that like there's so much to learn in ultra running it's just awesome yeah it definitely is. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and please, if you can go give us a review, go leave us a review. So more beginner ultra runners can find this podcast. Yes. It's seriously so, so, so helpful. And if you leave us a review, we will well, find good. you on Instagram and say, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. You'll get a personal Instagram message from us. So leave us a review, screenshot it, send it to us on Instagram at trail to 100. And we will talk to y'all next time. Hey guys, it's Melody here. Thank you so much for listening to trail. It means so much to us. I'm really excited to tell you about my coaching business where I help average Joes who are looking for a little bit more out of life do something big to find a little bit more purpose, direction, and meaning. I know what it's like to feel stagnant or like something's missing or like you just want more out of life. I was in the same spot. Jacob and I had just gotten married and we were both working nine to five jobs 
and we just were like what do we do now we we just wanted something more and we listened to david goggins book and we decided to sign up for a 50 mile race and since then we've done 50s we've done jacobson a couple hundreds i've done one 100 and and running has changed our lives I feel like I always have a goal to work towards. I feel accomplished and proud of myself. I feel like I have learned countless life lessons that have made me a better friend, a better wife, a better daughter, a better person. And I want to give back and help you do the same thing. I'm telling you, running can change your life. If you're ready to jump in and sign up for a race, whether it's three miles or 100 miles, I would be honored to help you cross the finish line. If you want to learn more or get in touch with me, go to my Instagram at Pine Tree Running or my website, MelodyBateman.biz. You have so much potential and you are way stronger than you know. Let's find your strength because it's there just waiting to be tapped into.